Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, and week after the Super Bowl week. Uh, uh, you know, after the puns and game, it's tough to, to think of too many happies, but I'm sure all of our all, all of our many Buccaneers fans <laughs> listeners are, are thrilled and, and Patriots because they're all Buccaneers fans now, apparently. Oh yeah, that was that was my favorite um, and, and predicted outcome of this. Uh, and like anyone who's watched sports or paid attention to sports online the last t- two decades knew exactly what would happen if the Bucks won. Um, was that you'd somehow get another parade for the Patriots um, afterward, just because uh, two of the main characters in in this season's show <laughs> happened to be former Patriots, so therefore the Patriots won um, because the only way to consume sports is through a Boston-centric lens. It's it was it bothered me all season, and not to do on a total tangent on this, but like, I'm as a Packers fan, if Aaron Rodgers left the team and went and like won a championship with the 49ers, like I would feel very happy for Aaron Rodgers. I'd probably root for him in the game. I wouldn't act like this was my team winning, and like that's what I saw a lot of. Like everyone, like the Patriots fans, I'd say a couple didn't, but a lot of them that I know, and I know many, um, really acted like this was their seventh championship, and Can't I just thought like. <laughs> Yeah, and like I get being happy for Brady. I totally get rooting for him. I think that's a totally fair thing to do if you're a Patriot. This is fan. not your title, though. It's not your title. And he's like, not yours. Like he's not yours. He's he is a player who played for your team. And any title he wins as a member of the Patriots counts towards your total. And any title that does not, like you do not own him as a person. <laughs> and also a lot of uh a lot of these Boston fans um really do not like one LeBron James. Um and when I uh, compared rooting for Brady with the Buccaneers uh, as being hypocritical when you complain about LeBron jumping teams. Um, I both was told you were right, and also like we don't really care. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine if like if Colts fans claim Peyton Manning's Broncos title? Yeah, like I don't remember any of that. I remember. I'm sure if you were a Colts fans there, you were probably rooting for for Peyton. Like. Obviously, everything worked out. Generally, you got Andrew Luck. It was pretty copacetic. But, like, I don't remember – and I don't know nearly as many Colts fans. Um, I don't remember them, like, wearing Broncos jerseys and, like, <laughs> rooting for them as hard as you did the like the, the Colts title. Like, I, who's, uh, yeah, I, I would love to see all those hang-the-banner tweets from Mariners fans after A-Rod won a title with the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> and Randy Johnson with the Diamondbacks, obviously. Yeah, like, like this isn't a thing. <laughs> And, and, and it's it's pretty wild that like it's really just Brady and really just Pat's fans. Yeah, like they couldn't consider. It wasn't all. It wasn't all of my Patriot fans' friends. There were some no, who same. like rooted for the Pats and like watched Cam Newton play really poorly. And and you know then they're happy for Brady and Super Bowl. That's totally fair game. It's just like the ones who are counting this like among the titles that their teams have won. It just I, I don't know that 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 type of fandom. Either like you're a fan of the player or you're a t- fan of the team. But you, I don't think you can you can claim both. <laughs> like, I think like obviously the NBA has turned like the rooting for the player thing into like you know it's hard to to deny it as like a legitimate thing now, um, just as it's so prevalent. But I don't think you can you can like do you can uh, thread the needle there where like your quarterback winning your former quarterback winning is the same thing as your team winning and vice versa. No, I completely agree. I, and I'm not surprised we're on the same page here. <laughs> no, I, neither am I. And it's, it helps that it's the Patriots or Hurts. I'm not sure which. 
Yeah, it's 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 one of those health situations. <laughs> but it's it, it's 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 good. It's good, but yet bad. Um, <laughs> anyway, Syracuse basketball. <laughs> Syracuse basketball is a thing. Um, I guess before we get to Syracuse basketball, I did want to have two just short recruiting notes. Um, we did end up getting uh, two players during National Signing Day last week. Uh, Jacob Bradford, the uh, JUCO from um, Iowa City College, ends up picking us over G- Virginia Tech. And then we ended up flipping Chase Simmons, defensive end uh, from South Carolina, um, over from Coastal Carolina. So two solid additions. Um, we don't, however, there's still – so we have we have an outstanding um, commit that has yet to sign – um, and that would be Jalen Moss. He's the cousin of the uh, Jones brothers. Um, this is being held for him at the moment. Uh, so hopefully we do bring him in. It'd be great to have yet another defensive lineman. Obviously, you know, have some family ties in there. Um, also, we have a couple spots left, but we haven't really seen a ton of traction other than Garrett Trader months ago um, on, on the transfer market. Uh, we do have one addition, however, uh, today, I think, was it who noticed it? Was it Nate Mink noticed it? Was Nate. Uh, that Jeterry Washington um, from Florida running back um, came in as a walk-on. He's the younger brother of Terry Kinsler. He's already on the team. Um, I had actually like just completely forgotten this narrative um, like a year or so ago, but when Kinsler was, um, you know, like being committed and whatever, like one of the big things was that him and Washington had talked about for a long time going to school together and both guys before injuries at one point, like been uh, more heavily scouted by like some of the bigger Florida programs. And, and yeah, I, I just completely forgotten about, uh, you know, the, the possibility of him joining. And it seems like at least for now he'll join as a, as, as a walk-on. We'll see if he turns into a scholarship player though, depending on um, if SU has the uh, scholarships to give this year, but I, it, it does seem like he is a, he's an FBS caliber uh guy and, and the type who could you know earn a scholarship and, and and could help out um in the short and long term uh the running back depth with which may get tossed into uh at least some question even though we we like what we have at the top end uh for 2021 yeah i think anytime you can you can bring in a potential like high major level contributor um kind of from the fringes not that like he's a fringe talent or anything we don't you know really know we'll find out but um to do so beyond just like, you know, the normal recruiting process is, is kind of a win. So I, you know, it's, it's like almost like a, a lottery ticket that you didn't have to pay for. So um, I'm all for it. If we, if we can find, find guys who might end up being like really nice players for us uh, beyond that and take some shots like that. To- totally cool with me. Um, and anything that can raise the talent level and, and also like taking a shot in a Florida kid, I, I think is, is always pretty fair. Yeah, and I mean, realistically, it's it's not as if we're just you know taking him because of the family relation. Like you, you look at the numbers he had um, in high school before before his injury um, as a junior, you know, fifteen hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns. Like, definitely is definitely seems capable. And then realistically, like with us losing uh, some bodies there and potentially still have like we don't know what's going to happen with Abdul Adams um, and Jarvin Howard, but if it ends up with, that we're losing two more guys, um, in the backfield, uh, it's not really a deep, deep group. Um, and we got pretty far down the depth chart last season, um, as it is. So I, I definitely welcome, uh, bringing somebody else in there. 
Yeah, like I, I think Tucker is really well situated at the top, but you, you need more than one or two running backs. Like you're going to go through guys. It's an easy position to have guys get banged up. So we lucked out. We, you know, I think we ended up being pretty lucky considering all the injuries last year uh, with what we had on hand. Um, but, you know, as we saw, you, you, you can always use a, a nice stable. Agreed, agreed. Um, that's a football this week. Uh, <laughs> do want to switch over to basketball. Uh, we're going to talk about the NC State game and preview that in the second half. Uh, but in the first half here, did want to talk about quick uh, the Clemson disaster and then kind of talk about just SU expectations. And I think that's a hot topic that's been going around um, on social media uh, for the Syracuse corner of it anyway um, in the last few days. So, Dan, how much of the SU Clemson game did you end up tuning into? Uh, what, when did you feel like things were a lost cause? Uh, I watched the whole thing. Um, uh, when did I? Oh, yeah. Uh, when did I feel like things were a lost cause? Um, ooh, uh, let me look at the play-by-play real quick. I could probably pinpoint the moment. It was, it was early. <laughs> I think once we were down like once we were down like twenty-seven thirteen with like five minutes left in the first half, I felt pretty bad about it. Not that we were like it was an insurmountable lead, um, but I felt pretty bad about it. And then like the way the things just like completely. They hit a couple threes. Um, they had like a, a quick set of like four free throws in the last minute. Like it, it, it tumbled from there. Um, and then the second half, it never really felt like, even though we, even though we had scored in the second half and played much better offensively, um, it never felt like we were really challenging. Like we never quite got close enough to where, um, you know, your ears perk up and you think like you can maybe do this. Um, so I guess I was happy to see them put up 42 in the second half and like shake off whatever was going on in the first half, but that first half was about as bad as it could. Yeah. I mean, this team's weird because I feel like defensively they're not, they're a sieve in many regards, but also not in others. Um, it really depends on who's on the floor. I also feel like on offense, it's, it's so incredibly streaky and, and almost entirely based on, you know, what happens from outside. Um, if SU is able to hit shots from outside, it usually opens up things uh, inside the interior. And if they're not, then, you know, they can let the guards in particular just jack up shots um, and, and and do more to try to, you know, stop players from being able to drive towards the rim. Like SU is a very good team shooting at the rim. Uh, they're not a very good team this year uh, shooting from three. Yet I feel like we put a lot more stock into outside shooting um, as a team. I, I think that in general, like, it does seem like players are being kind of pigeonholed into certain roles and that's all they can do. So if a team is really scouting them well, and, and I would think most of the ACC are like, you very much know, like, okay, if I can stop Quincy Garrier from being inside, that means that he's probably going to be distributing the ball more. Maybe he takes a couple outside shots. Like if I can, like, I don't have to worry about Gerard driving to the rim because he doesn't do that that often. Um, Buddy Beheim at least has the opportunity to either hit a three or maybe uh, shoot for the mid range, but still like, you're probably going to allow a mid-range shot um, to go up more often than not because it's a low percentage um, opportunity. Merrick Golajai only has like so much range and he's more likely to, to defer to the other shooters. And Griffin's another guy who um, is more of an outside shooter. Like I, I think that it's not to knock any of these guys overall, but I think it is easy to at least know what you're dealing with as a defender and as, as a team um, opposing them. And I think that that's, in the games like this, the games that kind of get way out of hand, I think it becomes very clear. Um, obviously, the second half was a much better effort uh, for the Orange on offense, but I think some of that um, is probably attributable to the fact that Clemson was up 20 at half 
Um, and the, and the game already seemed like it was pretty well, uh, decided. So you kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit. I mean, even with SU scoring more than Clemson did in the second half, they still only outscored them 42, 39. So it's, it's not as if SU, um, you know, just completely blew the doors off them and, and, and suddenly made it the game. It's like, realistically, they, they barely edged them out in the second half where Clemson didn't really have to put much effort in to, to still, you know, win by double digits. Yeah, I mean, this in this game, like, the first half was so disastrous offensively. I think what, what they finished three for 20 from the field or three for 25 or something. Um, nothing was working. As a general thing, I just – I get very annoyed when we just fall back on the three-point shot so often. And I think both of us were, like, big proponents of Syracuse shooting more threes and, like, becoming more of, like, a modern team. I'm for that when you are just jacking up bad threes over and over and you fall behind by double digits without actual, before you actually make an adjustment and work the ball to Quincy or work the ball through Marek, like that's what bothers me. Like I, I just, I think this, this team just settles so often on offense for like stretches at a time. And like, if they're, if, if you, if you open up hot, then fine, just bump them out and, and force the defense to adjust. But, um, I just wish we were quicker to like say like, all right, shots are not falling before this gets out of hand. Let's tall timeout. Let's draw some stuff up. Let's get Canary in there uh, and just kind of find a different approach so that you can, you know, hope to try to, to build the game in from the inside out versus just like, all right, well now we're down 13 because we missed our last five three pointers and the ball's not getting worked inside at all. Um, so yeah, it just kind of feels like we fall into these ruts and we don't, we don't make aggressive plays to get out of them. Um, we just kind of like let it happen for a while. And then a lot of the time, by the time we actually start to find our shot, it's like too late or, you know, we're just way behind the eight ball and we have to come back from this you know crazy deficit. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's, again, it's not to like hammer the guards, but I, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that despite like Gary A being the, like, I'd say top and like most versatile offensive weapon, Griffin being the leading scorer more often than not, like, because we have such a streaky offense, it, we kind of just like lean on this hot hand theory that like eventually we'll shoot our way out of it. And the problem is like, if this team w- w- was adept at, at quality shot selection, I'd say that that's something that could work. Um, and, and if we had, if, if we, if we didn't base so much on streaky shooting outside, I would say that, that that's something that could work, but like shooting your way out of it when you're like not all that effective of a three point, or at least not that all that efficient of a three point shooting team um, is not really, you know, the way to go. And like, you know, when, when guys are in slumps, even if it's a, you know, a half or, you know, even half of a half, like realistically you just need shots to fall. Like I, I know one way for shots to fall is that you drive the lane. <laughs> <laughs> you drive the lane, you get to the line, you, you, you find a way to get to the rim or close to the rim. Like I, I, I think that there's, if you wanted to run something, we really last year's was probably a better example of it, to be honest, like something resembling like a, I mean, not golden state warriors necessarily, but you know, running something that is more outside centric. Like if, if you can hit, you know, 34% plus of your threes, like you have a shot there, like you can do that. And, and, and you can do it with some success. And if you can run in transition, I just feel like increasingly we're seeing this kind of like weird perimeter centric ISO ball um, for a team that can't really hit well from outside. And uh, we haven't really seen adjustments yet. And I don't necessarily think we're going to. You would think that they would be 
you know, we would have gotten here before because it's not like I don't know. I I was very disappointed in this Clemson game, but it wasn't like I didn't know that game was like it's like out there in the ether and it couldn't show up. Like this Syracuse team is uh very I don't know. It's like weirdly opponent like doesn't matter who the opponent is uh, a lot of the time. Like generally they do well against like the dreads of the ACC, but um. There are games in the like the middle of the ACC that they get run, run like this, and there are games at the top of the ACC where they play really well, and it, it just like it just seems like we're we're more opponent independent than a lot of teams. Like I'd I'd be much more comfortable if we just weren't good enough to beat the top ACC teams, of which there are not very many this year, um, and just struggle there. But like we're very competitive night in and night out in the middle, and it's just that's just not the experience at all, which is very frustrating, and and you know, and in some points lends to like there's always hope that they can just find themselves and, and beat a team that they shouldn't be. And that's great. But like, it'd be way easier to, uh, to, to lie back and say like, all right, well, uh, because there's like two good ACC teams this year, they're Syracuse going to have a very, very good chance of beating the other 14. And you have <laughs> no idea if that's the case or not, depending on like anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that speaks to a good segue and also just a good point in general about like, you know, how Syracuse, how Syracuse football played this fall too, um, to some extent. I mean, they obviously lost almost all their games, but um, you didn't necessarily know how close the game was going to be based on the quality of the opponent. Um, and I feel like with Syracuse men's basketball for the last few years, this has been the case um, where, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll test Duke for three quarters of the game. They'll be, you know, toe to toe with UNC. Um, but then they'll also get blown out by Pitt or, you know, need a last second shot to beat Wake Forest. And, and, and that, that lack of consistency um, is, is definitely unmooring and, 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 and creates this kind of, you know, imbalance for, for fans about like what exactly to expect. And, and realistically, I, I think that fans, like, like most human beings, do like a certain amount of, you know, what can I expect? And, and, and obviously, you know, things can deter from that here and there. Um, but, but I think that if you're going to be bad, knowing you're bad in advance makes it a lot easier to deal with and a lot easier to stomach. Knowing you're going to be mediocre at best um, allows you to, to compartmentalize things differently. Ha- having a team that, that really, like I, I think the floor of this Syracuse team is, is you know, single-digit wins. Like, I mean, obviously we're already past that, but a floor of this specific Syracuse team is single-digit wins and, and, and the ceiling you know, is, is you win 20 of 27 or so, like that's a weird place to be for, for any fan, not just Syracuse fans, but I think Syracuse fans obviously have a, a very, um, a very not poor reaction to that, but just a, a very like uncertain and, and like anxious reaction to that. And rightfully so. It's funny because I think one of the, one of the, the hallmarks of like the, defensive Syracuse is an elite program thing is the fact that Syracuse is just never that bad. And that's true. Like Syracuse at its worst, like this year, we will probably be just off the bubble. Um, and that's like the worst it ever gets. It's like, we're just off the bubble um, versus like teams like in recent history that have, have lost. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, great teams who have had losing seasons. And that's just like completely unthinkable for us. Um, I mean, UNC, then, UCLA, like, I mean, right. UNC last year cratered. Yeah. I mean, Duke this year might have a losing season. Um, and that's so unthinkable for SU, but within the context of our weird just off the bubble seasons, especially recently, there's just so much uncertainty that I, I do think there's like an an impact of like we just we just know that you're never gonna get below this point, but 
the 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 results within the range that we always find ourselves in are so wild from game to game that it does like it does add to like a manic quality to uh how people react to things i think um and it is frustrating that we've kind of found ourselves mired in like this will they won't they NCAA tournament thing for like five years now i'd rather not be doing that um but i almost wonder if it would be easier to just be like all right well we don't have it this year so we're gonna miss a tournament but uh years when we do have it we're gonna be you know like we were in the late 2000s early 2010s just like a, a really solid team that could make some noise going into the uh going into the tournament and like that hung on through the final four or even through 2018 we made the sweet 16 but um now it's just you know it's really tough and like you know when we get to the tournament i'm obviously hope always springs eternal and you always think you might catch a good matchup or whatever um but within the seasons it's just it's become very very hard to uh to deal with over and over yeah i completely agree with that and i think i i think a fan base can only deal with so much of uh, of this over and over again i mean Syracuse fans in general, like, and we've discussed this before across most sports have dealt with so little change that when we do have change, it's, it's an earth shattering event. I think with basketball and men's basketball in particular, it, it, it's, it's especially, you know, of concern that like when you've had Bayheim in charge for this long, um, you don't really under, and, and, and he's been this good for this long and the team's program has been this good and this, this stable and capable for this long. It becomes very hard to, to conceive a reality where that's not the case. Um, I like, we, we have a, an unprecedented streak really of, 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 you know, 500 or better season, like or better than 500 seasons. And, and, and I, I don't think it's going away anytime soon, but I, I shudder to think what happens when, if, and when it does, um, at some point, like, do we have, like, how does it happen? Do you have the bottom fall out? Suddenly do you have this, this kind of, you know, death by a thousand cuts, um, where, the the on-court product seems to decline um, year over year, not by like a huge margin, but by this like only slightly measurable amount. Um, and maybe it results in one more loss, but then like, then maybe it doesn't. And then maybe like two years later, then suddenly you're, okay, so so now we're a 14 loss team every year. And now suddenly, you know, three years later, we're a 15 loss team. Like you keep edging closer and closer to the line, I guess. Um, it kind of gets to like that, you know, you're talking about pro sports, like, especially like in the NBA, a a very draft heavy sport. Like you don't want to be in that situation where you're sitting between like, you know, the 10 seed and the seven seed forever. You, you eventually want to take the step all the way back and, 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 and fix things, or you want to take the step up and and feel like the team you built was something. And I, I, I know obviously, you know, college teams built differently, but, then there is some sort of like purgatory nature that we're kind of in at this point. Um, and, and we will be in for the rest of this season. Um, next season might not trend too much better if, you know, even if, you know, Benny Williams is set to arrive, but like right now, like that's it. And, and realistically, if, if Gary, goes to the NBA and I wouldn't blame him for doing so. Um, if Griffin has any eyes on the NBA uh, in this immediate season, if Gary Richmond has any immediate can't, uh, you know, idea on leaving. We don't know what's going to happen with Merrick Belgei. Um, there, there's a lot of questions around this team for next year. Like, okay, so if next year, even if Benny Williams ends up being, you know, a lottery type player, like one lottery type player might not be enough to get out of purgatory. So like, is that just our fate? Um, that like, that like the end of the Bayheim years are sitting in purgatory or do we feel like there, there should be a greater expectation 
I guess that's a long way of asking Dan, like, what is your expectation right now for Syracuse basketball on a year in year out basis? And like, do you think like being honest with yourself, do you think that's realistic? Um, overall, like I, I just think there's enough for going for the program and you would hope that Bayheim would have enough of a realistic view of where things are that like, it shouldn't be crazy to say, you know, seven or eight out of 10 years, you go to the tournament and you, at least like reasonably compete for a final four every decade or twice a decade, maybe like that's, I think like, obviously things don't need to be at the heights of where they were from 2010 to 2013, but like, at least like in a general range of that, I don't think is out of control. Um, at least being like a national title contender and that's not to say win it, but like being in the conversation where some people might pick you to do it on ESPN, like, one or two out of 10 years is not crazy. Um, and it just feels like, and it hasn't been that long since like 2018 feels a lot longer than uh, a door than it was uh, when we upset Michigan state and almost beat Duke. Um, and like, honestly, it was just a couple of years ago. And I think 2020 being what it was probably made that feel like so much longer ago. Um, but if like, if that was like the, the, in the bottom five of 10 years, it'd be a lot easier to manage where like, even in your, like one of your back end years, you are at least like a pretty credible tournament. Um, if not like tournament contender, like you might still win some games. Um, and that has not been the case recently. So yeah, I, I think like having a 2018 be like a slightly disappointing, but you know, year where you can still make some noise uh, would be nice. And right now 2018 would be like miraculous, which it doesn't feel great. Yeah, I, I agree there. And realistically, I think, you know, 2018's, you know, surprise Sweet 16 run, I think 2016's obviously surprise Final Four run, like, you can't take those out of the equation. I always hate the conversation of like, oh, well, if you remove this, like, well, that's reality. You can't remove Especially it. Especially in a sport where the tournament means, I think it's pretty, I don't think it's crazy to say that in college basketball, the postseason means more um, relative to everything else than any other sport. Like, people just do not remember great regular seasons in the sport. And I think that's, not great. I think, like, as a whole, college basketball should probably find a way to make it more even. Like, college football is the opposite. Um, obviously, I think it might be trending in the other direction. But overall, like, if Syracuse does 8-4 and four, uh, or 8-5 and five and, like, wins a decent bowl game, like, we still feel great about those years. We had no chance of winning a national championship. It's also because there's a way, a well, it's also because there's a way to finish your season on a win. Yes. Versus, yeah, versus college basketball. The only way you're winning, you're, you're finishing the season on a win is if you win the NCAA tournament, you get a postseason ban and you won your last game. Or if you get invited to one of the lesser tournaments and you win that one. Like, there, there's so few teams ending their seasons with wins, like, and, and feeling good about it. Like, like and, and feeling it, good about it. And the only time you feel good about ending in a loss is like when it's 2016 or 18 where you make a surprise run. Like, I totally. still feel great about those years because we had a surprise run. But most often, when we have a really good team and we lose, like I feel, I don't feel great about 2013. Like obviously in retrospect, I do because it was a final four year. And like we were, we, we also exceeded our expectations and played well, the, uh, the, the most important time. And, you know, kind of got screwed in that Michigan game, but like that game still makes me kind of sick. The UNC game in 2016 really doesn't because we were just outclassed. Um, but overall, like people don't remember just on a grand scheme, like people don't remember Syracuse, how good Syracuse was in 2010. Syracuse fans do, but like if you ask the average fan, unless if they're a diehard called basketball fan, maybe they do. But like most average fans don't remember. They're like, oh, who do you what happened that year? Oh, we lost in the Sweet 16 to uh, to uh, Gonzaga, or not Gonzaga. We beat them. Um, Butler. Uh, oh yeah. So whatever. But like you know, we have the context for it. But 
Um, you know, in college football, you asked uh, about like Fresno State's big year two years ago or whatever, and like a good college football fan will probably realize that. Or like if you ask about San Jose State this year in 2024, a good college football fan will you know maybe like, oh yeah, that's the year they won the Mountain West. It was the weird COVID year, but still, it was like a, a shocker, and like that's a great year for them. Um, so yeah, like that's that's not a Syracuse problem. That's a college basketball pro- problem. But because so much is put into the tournament over everything else. Um, when you don't make the tournament, it's like a total, a total disaster, a calamity. So, um, yeah, it's just, I, I think that, I think that needs to be the baseline. Like I'm not one who says we have to make the tournament every single year. I know that's not realistic, but if I knew that the years we weren't going to make the tournament were because we were rebuilding or super young or something like that, had a really hard schedule, um, that's easier to stomach than just like being on the bubble every year. Cause like it, it didn't bother me that for a couple years, but now it's, we've gotten to the streak where it's basically like five years now um and that makes it very very difficult because then you're like left wondering where is the next step like we thought it might have been uh dior we thought it might have been uh uh basically a couple years ago and to have all these things pile up makes it uh, a really tough thing so i kind of get why the the syracuse fan base has kind of reacted the way it has this year and i i've resisted that for so long um and i think a lot of it has been unreasonable through the years but this is the year where it seems like we're starting to hit a fever pitch on it yeah, and obviously, you know, I got into this a little bit with the Monday piece um, that I put up, but I, I, I think you you can add some caveats around this season's weirdness, the the lack of practice time, whatever. Like, but I think we're serious. Like, like where Duke can maybe do that, and Kentucky can maybe do that, and and like some other, you know, all all the blue blood struggling and and the elite program struggling that like that that, that is you know gotten a lot of digital link um already this season like like sure if, if that's if, if it's a one-off thing if it's random it's hard to separate though what's happening now from the rest of the seasons that led to it when you look at most of the things that are happening are things that were happening already like and, and i don't necessarily think that that a more time more practice time um you know a, a more normal schedule if any of those things um you know fundamentally fix it and, and turn a team that's um, you know, hovering around 500 into a team that, that, that isn't like realistically they're 10 and six um, could be worse, uh, but also could be better. And, 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 and to me like that, even, even if this team's 12 and four right now, I don't really think I feel any differently um, about them only to say that I'm much more sure of their place in the NCAA tournament. But again, that gets to my original point. Like what is, if you're just hanging around that, you know, in, in, in this case, like if you're, if you're just contending for somewhere between the eight seed and um, like the first four out every year, like, and, and you don't really have much in the way of expectations towards going any further than the second round, like, is, is that something tenable for this program? And really that's the high end of, uh, of where things have been lately. Versus like where we've been, which is more of a somewhere between a 10 seed and a like next four out um, conversation. And like that one, I think, is is even worse, obviously, and, and, and made worse by the fact that we made a final four, you know, as a 10 seed and we made a sweet 16 as an 11 seed. So then you get that you get that like the kind of that hope springs eternal uh, conversation you were discussing of like. Okay, well, it's fine that we that we finish this low because all that matters is you know deploying the zone against an unsuspecting team in the tournament, <laughs> and, and 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 I don't think that I, I think that for the most part the last 
since 20, thir- from 2015, when we didn't make it, uh, it was a postseason ban, but like from 2016 on, um, the tournament has been decided by that. It, it's really just who matches up well with the zone and who's ready to, to play against it and who isn't. Yeah, I mean, and, and that and that's like, I guess it's, it's worked out more often than not. Like we did have those two pretty deep runs when we shouldn't have, but then like Baylor looked like it, you know, had done all of its research the uh, the last time we made it and, you know, bombed us out and it didn't really matter. So well, also no uh, Frank Howard. Yeah, also the no hey Frank Howard thing, which uh, which I you know sucked. It, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. The uh, whole experience wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> Dan, why don't we why don't we do a little halftime here uh, and then we can kind of resume that and then talk a little bit about NC State. Um, but before we jump into some beer, did want to give a special shout out to our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Um, Homefield, as you know, uh, comfortable, vintage, um, affordable, um, in my opinion. Uh, Vintage tees, uh, really everything's licensed, trademarked. You're going to get cool stuff that people used to wear on Syracuse campus probably, or maybe not. But logos in general uh, that, that, that you've come to know and love, uh, whether it's from now or from yesteryear. Um, Dan and I have both expressed numerous times um, our favorites. And are, are there any shirts that you feel like you need to see? Um or, or or maybe or maybe maybe they're joggers that you feel like we need to see. Um, I I, I said this after the whole Yukon thing. Um, get me a weird auto. Uh, there there are some weird autos out there. We can. I think the weird auto space should be uh for further mined. Um, to get either shirts, joggers, whatever. I would definitely like some joggers of Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse vintage. Um, I'm not sure totally what my ideal logo would be for them though i'm just looking at this horrifying virginia shirt that was released today i haven't seen that yet it's uh it's it's national champions and it looks like a bouncing ball between the purdue texas tech and auburn and it's just the uh the winning shots and 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 a complete complete whitewashing of, of 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 just how random uh virginia's championship was and how very close they were to not being there at all um, and that's questionable officiating was part of it. Um, I, I definitely have some thoughts there that I'm not going to dive into any further. Um, <laughs> I did see one tweet over the weekend. Um, UC Irvine has a, uh, I did not know this actually. I've never been on UC Irvine's campus, even though I've been to Irvine numerous times, um, has a, an anteater on a laptop with sunglasses on a bench on campus. And I very much think that needs to be a t-shirt on joggers and numerous other items. I would absolutely buy one. I've seen this Virginia shirt now. Um, I would say if this was, yes, if this was a Syracuse version of this shirt in a situation in which we win another recent national championship, I would really like this shirt. Oh yeah. I would totally buy it. I, I, I was just more I disturbed by that. Very good. Oh, yeah. I was disturbed by that. And, and the, the copious amounts of Georgetown on, on the Twitter feed lately. The other shirt I'm now seeing strolling the uh, wonderful home field Twitter account um, that I kind of want is uh, the Alabama with the uh, uh, elephant whose name I'm forgetting dunking the ball with his trunk. Uh, trunk big uh, Al. Basketball. Yes, Big Al is dunking a basketball with his trunk. I think A, owning Alabama basketball deer um, is is like a fun way to uh, own an Alabama shirt without actually being like like super obvious. Um, oh, yeah. But also he's he's dunking a basketball with his trunk. And also he's like he's like half a head above the rim, so he's like Sean Kemp. 
basically, which is, is good. <laughs> I appreciate Big Al's basketball. Big Al is a like a really hardy power forward who averages 18 and 8. Um, this is, this yeah, is how I, people feel when they see me in Syracuse football gear um, out here, at least, where like I've literally gotten weird looks and questions about why I have like, that, a, a copious amount of Syracuse football gear. This is a, it's from a retweet from someone who bought that shirt. It's next to an Iowa State shirt. And the A uh, comes to a little like bubble that almost makes it like a musical note, which is not the intention. It just is what it is. And then a really angry uh, Cy, uh is is the NASA's name Psy. Um, sure, let's go with that. Sure, it, it probably is. Um, he looks like he's he's like he looks like he's uh, angrily walking towards a dude to like tell him off, <laughs> <laughs> like he's about to pick a fight at a bar. You're not allowed to basketball. <laughs> He's like he's about to, or, or he looks like he's about to like go talk to the manager. Um, yes. Anyway, so what... <laughs> if you want to be, if you want to know what we're talking about and, and have your own fun shirts, um, you can use the code Noons ten for ten uh, percent off your order. It's a very similar energy to the Tulane wavy, the wave uh, angry wave shirt I have. So I basically uh, anthropomorphic uh, mascots that uh, are not human that are angry for some reason uh it's for some reason like uh my major branding here yeah humanoid mascots are are kind of strange i don't know if you saw i posted over the weekend um what is it you oh calcite northridge's mascot maddie the matador i don't know if i've seen this like yeah it's i posted it like i think yesterday or saturday but absolutely horrifying individual here I do appreciate the California schools, like uh, the UC schools, really like try to do something. They really have some weird mascots, and I, I'm here for it. But this thing, I mean, the Cal State though, like like this guy needs to go. Is that Northridge? He's, I think yeah, I found it. Northridge. Oh he's, no, he's, this is nightmare fuel. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of. There's a lot going on here, and I don't know how I feel about <laughs> any of it. Maddie the Matador has got to go like ASAP. I think Maddie might get canceled, and like legitimately. <laughs> Like, I mean, what is just... what is happening here? <laughs> it's also like a DJ behind. I do like the DJ behind. Like, yeah, like, like Maddie, like Maddie, definitely welcomes you to the gates of hell. Yeah, something that I that I don't like, even though it is really kitschy, is like old timey mascots wearing basketball jerseys. Like, I don't <laughs> want to see the Demon Deacon in a basketball jersey. Demon Deacon needs to be in his suit uh, on his motorcycle. I'll take the motorcycle. I can't explain any of this. I don't like it when they're dressed outside of their theme but i do like when they ride motorcycles for no reason <laughs> reasonable uh all right so yeah use a uh, noon's 10 to get 10 percent off home field uh, that might be the new longest read <laughs> jesus christ all right um I, you you would think we had been drinking all day for that one um dan I, I, I mean i don't blame you so what have uh what have you been drinking um another decent weekend between the syracuse game that happened and then uh super bowl um, started out, I jumped through some of the single cut stuff, uh, had some Dean Mahogany Pale Ale from them, um, also had a really good, uh, this was a guy, or there was a guy, Baltic Porter, their fig and honey variation, which was delicious, um, really interesting combo. I think I, any beer with honey, and it might just go back to my love of honey brown at Chuck's, but like, I feel like honey is a well-utilized beer ingredient. Um, and then also had, uh, this is tomorrow's, uh, American Pale Ale from Single Cut, and then also... Uh, had some uh, a very appropriately named for recent events from Lock City in my hometown of Stanford. 
uh, the Hedge Fund Juice Bags IPA. Um, oh, yeah, I love that. Also, I sent that to the couple friends. Yeah, I hadn't even seen it, and I popped up at a beer store near here, and it's from, like, the really tiny microbrewery in my hometown, so I appreciate that. Um, I also had uh, a Jingle Zombie Sour from KCBC down in Brooklyn, which was delicious, like, really, really good sour. Um, also from Industrial Arts, one of the better breweries up in the Hudson Valley, um, had their state-of-the-art series uh, Double Dry Hop Blonde. Um, had a Maximum Boogie from Grimm, their triple IPA, uh, which is also delicious. And right now I'm drinking a Space Take from Clown Shoes. Very, very nice. Um, I think a decent list from this week, but not to the same extent. Um, Smog City had a Hoppy Chocolate Stout that they put out that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, really like kind of the runoff from one of their uh, bourbon barrel aged uh, stouts, um, but then just like dry hopped and really, really good beer. Um, it, it was only a crowler. I hope they put this in bottles because I really enjoyed that one. Uh, from Smog City, I had also Smog City's Quarantine Machine and Little Boat Pills. Um, Quarantine Machine, just a West Coast IPA. Um, Highland Park, I had uh, this year's Griffith J. Griffith. Um, they're delicious coffee imperial stout. Um, it was a really big fan of that as always. Uh, you mentioned honey and beer. Um, I also had a beer with honey in it this weekend. It was a uh, dry rivers, uh, abeja. It was a, a wild, strong ale with guava and orange blossom honey. Uh, super good. Uh, it was really like a nice, it wasn't overly tart or overly sweet. It just had like the right amount of, of, of dryness and, and, and just tropical fruit notes. Uh, so definitely enjoyed that one quite a bit. Very, very solid. I, 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 I cracked my first beer of the weekend, like at halftime of the Syracuse game. I should, probably <laughs> should have that. Yeah. Everyone I, uh... will understand. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple on Friday night and then so I, I, I usually taking care of kids and all, I usually end up doing just a very boring, at least since COVID, especially the, uh, like Friday night, Saturday night drinking. And then like this weekend was an exception just because Super Bowl, but we'll hopefully get back to less boring drinking schedules at some point. I think that's very reasonable. Yeah. All right. So I, I think we, we, we touched on a lot on that expectations conversation. Uh, and what do you feel like the expectations are for Syracuse against NC state um, on Tuesday night uh, where we get the, uh, the road trip uh, down to Raleigh uh, right after, well, at this point, like nine days, 10 days after uh, beating NC State at the Dome. Uh, I don't think a lot's changed for Syracuse in the time since. We've only played one game uh, to the cancellation with Louisville. Um, NC State, meanwhile, uh, not a whole lot's really changed for them either. Uh, realistically, they have had, again, like a bunch of games canceled like we have, lost to Virginia by less points than we did. Um, and they beat BC, which one would expect them to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, I, I just, it doesn't seem like there's a huge uh, relationship or trend between what Syracuse does, A, one time against a team versus the second time they play them, or just, like, over the course of the year in general. So, like, the fact they lost to Clemson by as much as they did, and the fact they only beat NC State by three at home, like, I don't think either of those things really informs what they may do in the second game. I don't, I don't feel great about it considering those two uh, results, but... Uh, I just I wouldn't be surprised if they went and beat NC State by 15 or lost NC State by 15. It just seems very the, the Syracuse experience seems very divorced from trends or like the realities of comparing two teams. And also in the in the ACC this year, like unless you're BC or Wake Forest or Virginia and FSU, like 
or what do you even know? So, um, yeah, no, no result would surprise me. <laughs> yeah, admittedly, like this feels like that that point in the season. And I, I said this earlier in the year too, and I think I, I really mean it now. Um, this feels like that point in the season where like a typical Syracuse team after getting blown out on the road by a team they shouldn't have gotten blown out by, even if it was fine that they lost, I guess, is like a good team or a team that seems like they could make the tournament or at least trends towards that, you know, wins this game going away and, and does things that we we forgot they could do or things they hadn't done to the pa- in the past or Jim trots out a lineup that we've never seen before. Uh, or, or, or something random like that. And then, you know, SU wins by 15 on the road here and then suddenly, you know, gain some momentum and, and, and we see what happens next. Um, an SU team that, that, that is destined for uh, some, you know, level of hell that we're not used to, you know, finds a way to, to lose this game by double digits, uh, maybe squeak by BC and then lose two or three against Louisville and Duke and Notre Dame. And like, then that's it. Like, and then, and then there is no shot at the NCAA tournament. But I I feel like this team is going to be better by default um, than they were in the Clemson game. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be better than they were in the last NC State game. I feel like they really kind of slept on NC State um, last time around. I'm going to tepidly pick a win for Syracuse in the realm of like 75-74 but no, a loss would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I'm actually going to go. I feel like I've been the more optimistic one when we've picked these really close ones. I'm actually going to go the other direction. I'm going to take um, I'm gonna take NC State. Let's throw 76 to 68. Oof. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I feel like I, I said all that, and then maybe I am letting like the recent results uh, drive down my opinion of things, but it's also like... I don't know. Just being on the road, having you know NC State very nearly won that game in the dome, um, and then also just looking ahead and like I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to get super encouraged just because I, I think we're just running out of games. Like I almost wish I wish like Notre Dame, Duke, UNC, Louisville were like ranked teams. Does any either like we wouldn't have the we'd have the the built in excuse of like all right, well our schedule just like killed us, um, or we'd get some decent wins or have an opportunity. I I don't even know what realistically they could do now to make the tournament. Like, do they have to win out or like win all but one? I don't think you have to win all but one, but I do think you need to do. I don't know that we could lose more than two more. I agree, but there are enough like opportunities to grab tier, like not quad one necessarily, but quad two games here. Like at Louisville, still a quad one game, actually. The Carolinas, like fringe top 50. Like they, they, there, there's enough here to make a case, but you still probably need to win a game or two in the ACC tournament. Like, and, and I agree with you in an ideal world, like this is a much better slate. Really, it's the slate we thought it was that the three of the final five are against Louisville, Duke, and North Carolina. And if you can even win one of those, you potentially, you know, punch a ticket for like a team that, you know, may or may not be like a capable at large squad. I just think that we're, we're, we're in this kind of, no man's land now where yeah I, I mean fun fact Syracuse only finished better than two and four once in the last like seven eight years um over the final six regular season games last year they went three and three and that was as good as it got so uh if, not, not if, super encouraging <laughs> yeah so, so so this would be the game before that last six games 
yeah, I, I really think we need to go like five and two feels even if he, and then you have the lurking variable of like, does the ACC tournament happen or does the NCAA actually make what is probably the smart decision and say, Hey, let's not do conference tournaments as a Syracuse fan. I think we should probably, if, if we're just talking basketball, we should probably be rooting for the tournament uh, to happen. If we're talking like what makes sense in terms of like the world, we probably shouldn't be having conference tournaments. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm not I'm not banking on conference tournaments looking the way that they usually do. I think realistically, you know, two weeks ago they should have bubbled up the regular season, put people in like put teams in pods and 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 screwed the rest of the schedule and just played out like as much as you could in a controlled environment. And then maybe if if that worked, then maybe you consider like a, a, a eight team tournament or something like that. But in any case, um we'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> Dan, anything I, I else really, before we go? Oh, go yeah, not to not to like belabor yeah. this too much, but now I'm thinking back to last season and like how we kind of ended like the the rare year as we were talking about before. We actually did end in a win because we beat UNC pretty handily in the ACC tournament. And like, say we had done a little bit of a run and made the tournament there, and then the NCAA tournament got canceled, but we knew we were going to be in. I kind of wonder if we'd be looking at this year differently and saying like, all right, well now we're just treating this like the weird COVID year. We're not taking anything too seriously. But the fact that like even with that high point in to end 2020. Um, we didn't get the chance to even like truly earn our way into the tournament that we're like that that's kind of spilled over because like as a macro view of everything with this year like it's not that hard to say like okay let's just not take the 2021 results too seriously because everything's just so stupid and messed up but we are coming from a year where again we were going to be right on the fringe so I don't know it's just kind of a, a more existential question I guess but um, it did pop into my head that like, oh yeah, last year we actually ended on like a really nice high note, but it was preceded by like our normal really shoddiness down the stretch and needing some ACC tournament help to, to get there. Um, but maybe, maybe we would have a different view if we had like had a chance to actually go out and like compete to win the ACC tournament or at least like get to the semifinal or something. That's a fair point. And definitely one to think about um, a little bit more, I guess, depending on how the rest of the season goes. Um, or, or just undercuts everything we said earlier. Uh, or but or maybe that. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, appreciate you uh, coming on as always. Yes, hopefully, uh, then hopefully next week we will have a, a bright and shinier view of things after well, we have two games before next week, the NC State and BC. Yeah. Yeah. And then Louisville next Wednesday, assuming we can actually play it. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, on that note, uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.